Hello and welcome to the midweek show of The Overwhelmed Brain. This is a bonus episode that I throw in on occasion because, quite frankly, there's a lot to cover on the subject of uh, life and relationships in our life. And if this is your first time hearing the show, make sure you tune into the main show every Sunday on this same feed or channel, whatever you want to call it. And uh, please take everything I talk about in the show as my personal opinion. Always consult a mental health professional for advice before making any serious life changes. And I want to talk about something serious that can happen in our life. Uh, But before I do, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Neurohacker. And uh, if you've been listening, I take a supplement called Qualia Mind by Neurohacker, and I am loving it. So I'll talk about them in a little bit. But if you want to check them out, go to neurohacker.com. That's N-E-U-R-O, the word hacker.com. And when you're checking out, make sure to use the promo code TOB to get 15% off on top of your 50% off your first month. So check them out, neurohacker.com. And like I said, I want to talk about something serious that can happen in our life. And it's when we cannot get someone out of our head. Now, I have episodes that I swore (laughs) that I would never do again on Obsession And I'm not going to go over the depth of obsession and obsessive thoughts uh, today because I sort of want to start this off as a reminder that I've already done these episodes. So if you have obsessive thoughts, meaning you just can't get something out of your head, it keeps coming back, it keeps rolling around in your brain and you just want to get rid of it. I mean, this is for thoughts that you actually want to get rid of or you don't want to have anymore or you think you don't want to have anymore, but you choose to have them because you don't want to lose a connection to the person or the thing that you're stuck thinking about or whatever it is. I consider an obsessive thought something you just can't stop thinking about. Now, I'm talking about negative obsessive thoughts. You can have a positive obsessive thought like, oh my God, that movie was so awesome and you can't stop thinking about it and it makes you feel good every time you think about it. Or I love having this person in my life and I just can't stop thinking about them. Whatever that is, positive obsessive thoughts I don't think are necessarily a problem unless they are taking up your time. I mean, when I've gotten into new relationships in the past, I can't stop thinking about the person and my work suffers and my life suffers in ways, even though I'm benefiting from those positive thoughts. So those are things that we can usually have a better control over like, oh my God, everything's going so great. Yet uh, here I am at work and I need to complete my task, but I can't stop thinking about them and I'm going to text them again and I'm going to email them again or whatever. And now you are delayed. So I'm not talking about that, but if that's a problem, we can usually control that kind of stuff. We can usually go, okay, okay, it's great to think about that person or that thing, but I got to get back to work and usually can. Maybe some people can't, but usually the positive obsessive thoughts we can. So I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the kind of thoughts that um, make you feel like you're missing something or you're pining for something, you're longing for it. And it's just out of reach or it's really out of reach. So like I said at the beginning, I'm not going to get too much into obsession today because what I want you to do is if you have obsessive thoughts 
and especially regarding a person. It's typically regarding a person. Sometimes it's regarding our own uh, problems. We have issues in our life. Oh, I'm not going to be able to pay this bill. This is included as well. But a lot of the emails that I get have to do with, I can't stop thinking about this person. I can't get them out of my head. In fact, I have one in front of me right now that uh, I'm going to go over in bits and pieces. But I do have resources on this, and I did make a promise to myself that I would never create another resource on this because uh, the resources I created are pretty definitive. Like if you follow the steps, if you really go through the process that I've laid out in these resources, you will take a massive step toward getting past these obsessive thoughts. Now, let me share the resources. You go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and in the search field, just type in the word obsess. Not obsessive, not obsession, just the word obsess because the search will pick up all of the words that contain the word obsess. And you'll see about, I think, three or four, maybe five articles and podcast episodes that I've done on obsession and dive into those. Listen to them again and again, obsess over those episodes and those articles and make sure that you actually follow the steps. And I should have said this earlier, but this is going to be a very tough love episode. Now, tough love means I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound cold hearted. It's going to sound like you better do this or you're a loser. And I don't mean for it to come out like that at all. In fact, I'm doing this from my heart. I'm doing this from the deepest level of love and respect for you so that if you are at all obsessed about someone from your past, especially someone romantic in the romantic sense, that you take what I'm saying with you and apply it to your life so that you can get past it and start living your life again. That's why I sometimes go on these tough love kicks because uh, I'll just come out and say it. People that are obsessed about an ex and they can't stop thinking about them, they want to be with them again, they want them to come back, I or anyone else really can't tell them how to stop obsessing. I mean, I can, but for them to hear it, for an obsessed person to hear you or anyone say to them to stop obsessing and this is what you do, they probably won't follow the advice. They probably don't want to follow the advice. They probably don't want to stop obsessing because stopping obsessing means that uh, they lose a connection to them and that might be the only connection they have or they think will keep them connected to them so they don't stop obsessing. You can tell someone who went through a breakup uh, months and months ago or even years, years ago to stop obsessing about the person and get back to life, you know, start diving into your work again, get into another relationship. You can tell them all this stuff. Stop following them on social media. Stop emailing them. Stop texting with them or trying to text with them. Whatever it is that you want to tell this person to move on with their life, they very likely won't do it. They just won't. They don't want to stop. They don't want to let go of that connection. And my perception on why that is, is because it means accepting that they are actually gone from their life. And the pain that that could be a reality is too great for them to experience. So they choose to hang on to this negative obsession and continue 
suffering. And it sounds backwards. We know that obsessing can be suffering. It can hurt. It can feel painful because what we want to happen doesn't happen. So if we give someone a way out of that pain and suffering and they choose not to do it, you might think, why not? Why wouldn't you want to stop suffering? Well, what happens is there's something that's overriding that. There's something that's overriding the choice to stop obsessing. And that override has a lot to do, typically, with self-worth and self-esteem. And a feeling of um, not being able to get that again in your life. Not being able to get that love again. Not being able to get that feeling of connection that they had with this person again. And because they don't want to lose that, they keep that person alive in their mind and hold on to the possibility that there can be reconciliation. And this, you can drive you crazy. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was obsessive. When I broke up with that first girl that I met in Florida, uh, or she broke up with me, they all broke up with me, I would become obsessive. I would think about her all the time. I would try to look her up. And we didn't have social media back then, but I would drive by her house. I would do things that I, I'm not proud to admit, that I probably won't, won't admit right now, but I was not the perfect ex. I was not the the guy who just moved on and said, well, I guess she doesn't like me anymore and that really sucks and it feels painful. I guess I'll just move on. I, I wasn't that person. I was the obsessive person. It's funny I talk about this stuff on the show and I've done most of the stuff I talk about, uh, but that's good because I can share with you that being in a state of obsession only keeps you in a rut. It keeps you emotionally impoverished and it takes up all your time. You can't stop thinking about it and you choose not to disconnect fully or you think you don't have a choice to disconnect because it's always in your mind, but you do have a choice. And I'm going to go over one of those choices in a moment, but holding on to what may be and probably never will be is an exercise in futility. And that futility will cause you to suffer because you're always looking for something that you'll never have. And this is where the tough love comes in. You have to accept that they are gone. You have to accept it. You have no choice but to accept that they are gone. I mean, of course you have a choice, but if you want to stop obsessing, if you want to get out of this rut you're in, you have to accept that they are gone and they're never coming back. And if this is an ex-partner in your life, some relationship that you had, you have to accept that they don't want you back. They don't want you. Now, I say that at risk. I know that I could say that and it could trigger someone. And they can go, they don't want me. That means I'm unlovable. That means that I'm not worthy, that I'm not important. It has nothing to do with that. Your worth, your lovability... Your importance in life has nothing to do with whether somebody wants to be in a relationship with you or not. They're not tied together. They're two totally different thought processes. They're two totally different life experiences, meaning you can be in a relationship with someone who loves you and wants to be with you, and you can be out of a relationship with someone who no longer loves you and no longer wants to be with you, but that doesn't define you. It doesn't define who you are. It just shows you what their choice is. 
and you have choices just like they have choices. You might like a certain food all your life and then realize you don't want to eat it anymore. And it's your choice to stop eating it. It's just a choice. Doesn't make the food less worthy of eating. Doesn't make the food less appealing to the 8 billion other people on the planet. It just means you have chosen to stop eating it. And this works the same in relationships. Sometimes you'll be in a relationship and the person doesn't want to be with you anymore. And that is a beautiful thing. And let me tell you why. It's a beautiful thing when someone doesn't want to be with you anymore and they leave. It's a beautiful thing because it's so much better than someone not wanting to be with you and they stay. That is the worst feeling because now you're in a relationship where you feel ignored, you feel unloved, you feel unworthy, all those things that you don't like feeling about yourself. Someone gives you a gift when they choose to leave you because they no longer love you. This is the tough love episode and I'm sorry to tell you this, but the point I'm trying to make today is acceptance. I want you to accept two things or many things, but mainly two things. One, everyone has a choice that has nothing to do with you. They want to live their life. You want to live your life. And yes, it would be great to be together because you like a lot of their qualities or love them in a way that you've never loved anyone else before, but they still have a choice whether to stay or go. And that's one aspect. And the other thing is Your level of self-worth and self-esteem has to come from within you, not from them. That has nothing to do with their choice. Because here's how relationships roll. (laughs) This is how a relationship rolls in my mind. If I'm doing the best I can for myself, if I love myself, if I find myself worthy, if I find myself important, if I'm constantly working on myself, then when I show up in a relationship, I am giving the best version of myself to them, which means they're going to get my vibe. They're going to feel how I feel about myself. They're going to experience what I'm experiencing about myself in a different way from their perspective, of course. But they're not going to sense the insecurity. They're not going to sense any jealousy or any lack of emotional stability. They're going to sense a confidence in myself for myself. They're going to sense it probably subconsciously or most likely subconsciously. And because of that, they don't feel like they have to fill in any gaps in me. They won't feel like they have to make up for something that I'm lacking because I'm showing up in the relationship as fully charged as I can be, as fully embracing my worth and my significance. I'm fully embracing that I am lovable. And if they don't want to love me, that's not my fault. And it's not on me because I already know. I'm lovable. This is something else that you have to accept. You have to accept that you're lovable and worthy because you're always working on yourself, because you know you're an ethical person, a moral person, because you know you're trying. You know you're doing the right thing, at least as much as you can. Then when you show up, 
the other person can't put you down. They can't see you as anything less than the way you're showing up. And if they do, that's their issue. And if they choose to leave you, they take those issues with them into any relationship they go into because they have uh, judgments and perceptions and beliefs that maybe serve them or don't serve them. Or maybe they just feel like they're not compatible. Maybe there's other things going on that they can't get on board with. I mean, you can have an immoral person connected to a very moral person, meaning the moral person just tries to do the right thing all the time and tries to love as best as they can and just shows up as the best partner they can be. And this immoral person, they're cheating, they're lying, they're deceiving, yet the moral person loves the immoral person and they have a relationship, but the immoral person might decide, I feel so restricted by the moral person. I mean, these aren't the words they use, but they'll feel restricted and they'll feel like they're in a relationship that the walls are closing in on them. And so the immoral person might leave. I mean, this is just a made up scenario, but I'm giving you an idea of what can happen. The immoral person leaves the relationship, but the moral person thinks it was her fault or his fault. They think, oh, what did I do to, to make them cheat? What did I do to make them lie? What did I do to make them leave? And the moral person obviously has issues that they need to deal with inside themselves because how could a kind, generous, compassionate, moral person ever go into that space where they think they're not worthy? If a moral person that is kind and caring and generous and compassionate and doing the best they can experiences any thoughts that they're not lovable, they're not worthy, or they think they did something wrong, then that usually indicates that there's more work to be done on themselves. And that's where the focus needs to be. Because if the focus isn't there and the focus is on someone else to fill the gaps, fill the void inside your own life, then what ends up happening is the moral person in this example walks around with those gaps thinking that the only way to fulfillment is to have someone else in their life, which is what leads to obsessive thoughts because they think if they're back in my life, then I will feel complete. I will feel whole. And if they're not in my life, I don't feel whole. So I'm going to obsess about them coming back into my life because I'm not complete until they do. That's why I cannot stand the phrase, you complete me. I mean, I don't even know if that's a real phrase or if I just saw it in an Austin Powers movie, but I, I've heard that phrase uh, a lot and I don't like it. You don't complete me. I complete me. And then I take that complete person into a relationship with a person that's trying to complete themselves too. I mean, we're always just trying to complete ourselves. I think that's what personal growth and development's all about. And then I can share my complete self as incomplete as that is with another person's complete self as incomplete as they are and create a synergy experience life together discover each other discover their strengths and uh, reflect on our own strengths and discover their weaknesses not that we're looking but we discover theirs and then we discover our own weaknesses because each person can be a mirror for us to look into so there are benefits of having another person in your life to help you reflect on what you need to work on in yourself, but try not to be dependent on those people 
to fulfill what you're missing inside of you, especially when it is something that you need to work on in yourself so that you don't bring a sense of lack into the relationship in order to for it to get fulfilled by the other person. Because that is a lot of work. I mean, if you've listened to my show before, you've heard me say, that just drains another person. If you bring a sense of lack of yourself or in yourself into a relationship with another person, and it's their job to fill that lack, it's their job to fulfill you in ways that perhaps you should be doing yourself, then that drains them. It can be repelling to them. It can take away some people's happiness because they feel like their job is to fulfill you and complete you. And that is a difficult journey for anyone. I mean, people pleasers will often feel like they need to complete other people or they need to rescue or fix other people. People pleasers might have a, an easier time doing this. It's still an energy drain because they're not focused on themselves. Uh, but people pleasers often end up with um, energy vampires or uh, takers where the people pleaser is a giver and the person they're with is a taker, but the takers usually keep taking and draining the energy of the people pleaser. So it works the same way. When you're giving and the other person's taking and there's no reciprocation, then there's a big energy drain there as well. Now, I understand that relationships are also about love and connection and support and experiencing each other, experiencing each other's life and um social circles and family and being intimate and all of this is part of a relationship as well. And of course, you won't be able to fulfill some of those things in yourself. You probably won't be able to experience a highly gratifying sexual connection by yourself. And <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, of course, you can experience sexual gratification by yourself, but with someone else, I think we can all agree it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more pleasurable. And so I look at that and think, yes, of course, there are parts of life and living that we certainly can't do ourselves. It's so amazing to have a friend or a lover or a spouse or whatever that we can share things with, that we can be vulnerable with, that we can share our secrets, that we can snuggle with, that will hold us when we're down or hold us when we're up. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot that other people do for us, but sometimes we place the burden on them to fulfill us in ways that we need to take care of ourselves. And coming back to obsessive thinking, obsessive thoughts are clear, typically clear indicator that we are not doing enough of our self-love, self-compassion, increasing our self-worth, increasing our confidence in ourselves, working on our personal boundaries, working on anything that empowers us to feel good in ourselves, about ourselves, so that when we're in relationships and the breakup happens, because sometimes it just happens and sometimes we know it's coming and sometimes we don't, but when that breakup happens, when we fall down and we're in pain and we're in suffering, we need to be able to get back up. And we can't do that half-baked. <laughs> we can't do that half-done. We have to do it as whole as we can be. How do you become whole? I mean, I talk about self-esteem, self-worth, uh, being authentic, self-empowering things 
on every other episode of this show. So if you're just starting to listen, go through my back catalog of every episode. Go through my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Read those articles. Listen to everything I talk about because it's all there. And it's important. This stuff is important because when you fall, you're going to feel broken. You're going to feel empty. You're going to feel unloved. I'm not saying that when the women in my life broke up with me that I didn't feel unworthy or and I didn't feel unloved. I felt all those things. There is a moment in time right when the breakup is occurring and right after the breakup that you're going to feel some pretty terrible stuff. But this stuff is supposed to pass. It's supposed to move on so that you can move on. And the only way to do that, and I'm going to come back to this right now, the one thing I want to talk about today is to accept that this person is gone. That you are not getting them back ever. It's not going to happen. How can I say that? How can I be sure? Because you have to accept it. It doesn't mean that I'm right. It just means that if you're going to move on, you have to accept that they're gone. Write that down. Tweet that. <laughs> if you're going to move on, you have to accept that they're gone. And when you do that, you're finally able to stop the obsession. But again, I can't tell you that if you have obsessive thoughts because you won't do it. There are still ties to it that you just can't untie. I mean, I'm only talking to the people who have obsessive thoughts. Other people listen to this show. They may not have obsessive thoughts, but if you are having obsessive thoughts about someone in your past and you want to move on, this is the kick your butt episode, tough love episode, that if you really want to move on, there's an acceptance. Now, I'm going to go over what you need to accept coming right after this. I want to tell you about something that I've been doing. I haven't been obsessive, but I have been taking a supplement that I've talked about before called Qualiamind. It's from a company called Neurohacker. And uh, I found out about them about three months ago. And I said, you know, I'd love to talk about you on the show, but I need a sample. So it was great because they have this product that actually has helped me in ways that surprised me. I mean, the first time I took it, I had this amazingly detailed visual of a, a house I used to live in in the past. And so I went through that and then I had an experience where I was playing my guitar and, and I usually just fumbled through all the hard parts just to get through the song and I decided to learn the hard parts instead of fumbling through them. So I thought, okay, you know, those two things could be related to quality of mind. I'm not sure, but we'll see how this goes. And then I had another experience which uh, surprised me, which was I was writing an email and I decided to use the dictation mode in my email instead of typing, which I never do. I, I actually have a lot of trouble uh, writing an email by dictating it, by talking into a microphone, uh, surprisingly enough, because I talk into a microphone all the time. But to actually think about what I want to say in an email and talk about it and have it write out as I'm talking is just something I don't normally do. It's just hard for me to think that way. But for some reason, I was thinking very clearly and I wanted to type out the email using my voice. And I was able to just write out this email using my voice and it all came out very fluently. And I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> this is what I want to be able to do is just to make my life more efficient and just sharpen things 
in my brain so I can get on task and be proficient in everything I do. And I really think this quality of mind is something that is doing that. And I'm also using, I just started a product that they created called Eternus, which says supports cell energy for better aging. And uh, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm really digging their products. They are designed to uh, beat brain fog, amplify willpower, fuel focus and concentration. And like I said, that's what's happening with me. Promote mental clarity, decrease procrastination, which I find has been very helpful for me. Upgrade energy levels, heighten creativity, their products come with the 28 vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO ingredients containing nootropic compounds, neurovitamins, antioxidants, adaptogen extracts, amino acids, and choline donors. And there's a whole bunch more I want to tell you. I'll tell you next time I talk about them. But I want you to visit Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O, and the word hacker, neurohacker.com. And you'll get 50% off your first month. And TOB listeners can take another 15% off the sale when you use the promo code TOB. Like I said, I'm on the supplement Qualia Mind, and um, I have found it amazingly helpful in my uh, mental performance. Neurohacker.com. Use the code TOB when checking out. All right, I'm coming back to Obsession, Obsessive Thoughts, and pretty much the title of this episode, which I think I'm going to call I can't get you out of my head, but I need to. And uh, like I said, I based this on an email that I received. I'm going to read you some portions of it and uh, respond to it right now. Uh, This person wrote, I'm so happy I discovered your podcast. It's so comforting, inspirational, and motivating. I hope you'll be able to help me a little bit more while I'm struggling to heal from a very painful breakup. I've been learning a lot about myself and relationships over the past few months, but I'm still failing completely to let go of the excruciating pain and desperate longing for a man of my dreams who dumped me so callously. It was three months of a blissful, distant relationship. The last time we saw each other, it was the most hurtful experience I'd ever had. I can now label all the actions he performed, the silent treatment, stonewalling, sphinx-like detachment, total rejection, emotional unavailability, belittlement. I'm in my 40s and I knew nothing about these basics. Since then, I have found out about the psychopathic cycle, love bombing, devaluing, discarding, and I fully realized that I chose to ignore many of the red flags in our online dating phase, and I chose to trust him instead. Since the breakup, I feel like I am nowhere near any closure for myself. I keep missing him. I keep yearning for him. I keep hoping that he'll come back. I keep waiting for him to reach out and say, I'm so sorry that I hurt you and behaved in such an immature, unhealthy way. Rationally, I know it will not happen. I'm actually a very sensible, positive, profound, and bubbly person. I've always been able to cope with the hardest situations with grace, self-compassion, common sense, and reason. But not this time. I'm simply drowning in the same obsessive thoughts and imaginary dialogues with him. Uh, Sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy. I went to see a hypnotherapist. I'm Christian, so I prayed. I dove into my work. I kept my mind busy. And I even tried to hate him and ridicule him and despise him, even understand him or pity him and forgive him. And most importantly, I tried to forget him. I tried to concentrate on myself and so many other wonderful people around who truly love and care about me, but I can only still miss him terribly and shed tears again and again. I am stuck with him. He is stuck in my head 24-7, more and more every day. It's horrible. Oh my God, I wish this grieving would end and I return to my authentic self. So hear that. That is definitely in that obsessive place. Thank you so much for writing that. And yes, I hear you. I know 
the place you're in. It's the worst feeling ever when you can't get those thoughts out of your head. So being the tough love episode, let me just jump right in here. Again, go back to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, type in the word obsess, and listen or read everything I've talked about regarding obsession because that's where you need to start and that's where you need to continue doing the behaviors and the thought processes I talk about there. Now, um, along the lines of acceptance, there's a couple things I want to mention here. One of them is you said, I wish this grieving would end and I could return to my authentic self. Here's my thought on grieving the relationship. When you grieve the end of a relationship, if you can't stop grieving, when the grieving doesn't end, then I'm here to say you're not really grieving the end. You're grieving a loss, absolutely. You're grieving what you had and you wish you had it back, but you're not really grieving the end because you haven't accepted the end. So the idea of acceptance comes into play here that you have to accept the end. And I know you said, I've done all of this, Paul. (laughs) I've done everything that you're talking about, but I'm going to throw it at you in ways that maybe you need to hear. Uh, When the relationship ends, you have to accept that there'll never be reconciliation and that the person is gone forever. And yes, you may have to actually come to an acceptance in your mind that that person has disappeared completely and will never come back. And maybe if it helps you, it helps me when I think about it this way, that you consider that the person died. And, you know, I want to be really careful here because if you are having any type of uh, thoughts about hurting yourself or worse, then you need to call someone. You need to talk to someone because of obsessive thoughts that don't go away. I would say If you've listened to everything I've created and you've read everything I've created on obsessive thoughts and they still won't go away, you need to call a professional. You do. You need to bite the bullet and do whatever it takes. And since you said you were a Christian, you probably have uh, help in your church. You probably have many resources. There are groups. There are therapists. There are people that can help you with these obsessive thoughts. But in order to do that, you have to accept that the loss is real. And that they're never coming back. And that's scary because that means pain. That means suffering. That means it it hurts. And it's going to test your self-worth. It's going to test your self-love and self-compassion. Because if you aren't working on those things or haven't worked on those things enough, so you really believe that you are worthy and you are lovable, then you end up in pain and suffering for a lot longer because you believe the other person fulfilled those things for you, made you believe that those were true. But maybe you don't believe those things are true about yourself because now this person's not in your life anymore and you're still suffering. You're still seeking outwardly. So again, listen to my episodes and my articles on obsession because I have very specific steps to follow. And I believe they're very helpful. Uh, Secondly, the second thought I have about this along the tough love lines is why would you want someone back that mistreated you so badly because that might reveal a lot about what you want to expose yourself to. I mean, really think about that. You listed so many bad behaviors from him that it makes me wonder why you would want to experience those things again. Because if you get him back, that's what happens. You're going to experience those things again. 
yes, there are times where you had a good time and you felt loved and supported, but all that other stuff comes with it. It's like if I gave you radioactive money, you'd be like, oh my God, you gave me $10,000. That's amazing. And having it in your possession made you sicker and sicker and sicker. But it's money and you can do a lot of things with money and you have more options, but having it makes you sicker. And even if you buy things, you know, using this example, those things that you buy are also radioactive. So you can't just give it away. You still have the money and you're still using it. You still have some connection to the money because you're using it for things that you bring into your life. But those things are radioactive too. Yes, but now I have a car and I can drive around, but it makes me sick every time I use it. But having a car is wonderful. You can see where the obsessive thoughts might come in because it's that mix of loving something and being hurt by something. And let me enlighten you if you don't already know, love is not supposed to contain abusive behavior. That's why I have the other show. If you haven't heard that other show, Love and Abuse, go to loveandabuse.com. You can hear me talk about that all the time. Love is not supposed to contain abusive behavior. Otherwise, it's not love. Love, in my definition, is when you support someone else's happiness. So if the person that is supposed to love you is causing you pain, is lying to you, is manipulating you, is withdrawing emotional connection from you, then they're not loving you. So you really have to ask yourself, why would I want someone who doesn't love me back in my life? I mean, that's really one of the key components to all of this, to any obsessive thinking, is if the person left you or you left them or they're gone from your life for some reason and you want them back, why would you want someone back that doesn't love you? That part doesn't make sense. And I know there's justifications for it. Yes, but we had such good times together. And I know he's really a nice guy underneath all that terribleness. I mean, that's what we say to ourselves when we're justifying. When we justify bad behavior because we have good feelings mixed in, we introduce ourselves to more suffering. So a couple more things I want to say about this email. One is that you said this was the man of your dreams. Now, you probably know what I'm going to say, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down what the man of your dreams looks like. Write down all the characteristics of the man of your dreams. Do that first. I mean, put this on pause and just go ahead and write down all those characteristics. And I don't want you to think of the person you're talking about in this email. I want you to think about any man that comes along that if you were to have a relationship or if anyone's listening, any person in your life, if they come along and you want the greatest relationship ever, what characteristics and qualities would they have to make them the person of your dreams? If you don't like that term, the most perfect partner, the most ideal partner. Pause this and write that stuff down. Now, if you've paused this or you've got it in your mind or you just want to keep listening, this is what I want you to do next. I want you to compare the list of this person of your dreams, the ideal partner, with the person that you have experienced and tell me if they match because the person that wrote this email the man of her dreams I can almost guarantee isn't the type of person to withdraw and detach and reject and be unavailable and belittle and how about this leave the ideal partner doesn't leave you the ideal partner works with you and tries to figure things out and works together for a solution they're not emotionally abusing you. They're not devaluing you. They're not discarding you. 
that is not a person of anyone's dream. So I want you to be very, very careful when you say that the man of your dreams dumped you. That's not the man of your dreams. That's the man of your nightmares. This is the tough love episode. That is the man of your nightmares. And you don't want that man in your life again. And I always ask this question when it comes to relationships and longing for someone in the past, because I went through this very same thing. The question I ask is, if someone showed up in your life that wasn't this person, but was somebody else that was just as attractive, just as intelligent and funny and all the qualities that you liked, wasn't that person, it was someone else completely and treated you just as nice when they were nice, uh, was never mean, was never hurtful, and uh, maybe even more attractive, maybe even nicer, maybe even better in so many ways, would you then consider having a relationship with that person as opposed to this one? I mean, think about that. Someone comes along, is just as nice, just as attractive, if not more so, just as intelligent, if not more so, just as has money or more money. I mean, whatever qualities you like in someone. If they were just like that without the bad stuff, but it wasn't the person that you were with, it was someone else, would you consider a relationship with them? Your answer should be, well, yeah, yeah, I will. I would, of course, if somebody came along like that, that would be great. Because if you would consider a relationship with a person like that, this can help you stop obsessing about the person that you really don't want back in your life. Because you miss the feelings. You miss what it was like to be treated with kindness, to be treated with care and compassion. You miss those things, but you don't miss the bad things. You don't miss the painful things. You don't want to suffer. And if you take the person out of the equation that used to make you suffer and you put somebody else in there that gave you all the nice things and more, suddenly you have a different relationship with a different person that has nothing to do with the person that you were with, which you have to make room for in your mind in order for that to happen. Because people are going to pass through your peripheral and you're either going to give them the time of day or not what I mean by that is that sometimes we're so obsessively thinking about someone from our past that we don't give anyone a chance. Even if we don't know that those people exist, our mind doesn't clear the space for them because they have to fit a certain model that we've created in our mind and a certain criteria because that's who the person that came into our life before filled, except they brought all the bad stuff too. So again, this person is not the man of your dreams. The man of your dreams wouldn't do all the things that this person did. The man of your dreams is on that paper, on that list that it's in front of you or in your mind. The man of your dreams doesn't do that kind of stuff. So I want you to get clear about that and realize that this person was probably the man of your nightmares that just had some good qualities that made you feel good too. And when you start to reverse that in your mind, you won't stop thinking like you just missed out on something wonderful because what is not in your life anymore is a big break, is a big reprieve from going through the roller coaster of emotions that you went through because you can absolutely feel all the good things you felt too, just not with someone who puts you through that. The tricky part for you has been clearing that space. And what I'm talking about today, but especially in other episodes, I talk about obsession is going to help you clear that space. 
Now let me give you my last point, my last thought on this, which is a process that I want you to do when it comes to um, obsessing and thinking about the same person over and over again. What I want you to do is there's something called associated versus dissociated when it comes to memories. And what that means is when you're in an associated memory, you're in your own body looking out through your own eyes and experiencing it in first person. So you're completely associated to yourself in that memory. It's sort of like when you were on a roller coaster one time, do you see yourself on the roller coaster over there? Like you're out of your body and you're seeing your body in the roller coaster? Or when you remember it, are you looking out through your own eyes and you can see the seat and you can see your hands in front of you and you can see the track in front of you? And when you do that, it's an entirely different experience. It's a very visceral experience. And you will get all those feelings that a lot of the feelings that come with being on that roller coaster or whatever you were experiencing. So the associated version of a memory is when you're looking through your own eyes, experiencing it through yourself. The dissociated version of a memory is when you see yourself over there having the experience. I want you to remember that when it comes to having these memories pop up that you keep obsessing about because you're either having them in an associated way or a dissociated way, or you're having them in different ways, like one is associated, one is dissociated. The reason it's important is because when you have an associated memory, when you're in your body looking through your own eyes, you're more likely to experience the feelings that you felt during that time, during that moment. And you're very likely having associated memories when it came to the good stuff, all the good times. Oh, he was so great there and he was so wonderful here. And when you think about those, probably today, you have those memories associated. You can see through your own eyes. You're experiencing it like firsthand. What may be happening with the bad memories, the negative memories, is that you may be dissociated during those memories and they wouldn't have as much of an impact. I learned this in my training a long time ago where you have this bad memory and you can dissociate from yourself and see yourself over there having the bad memory so it doesn't feel so bad. That's actually helpful with trauma and things like that, but you know, there's more to it. But the problem with that when you have a relationship that you just can't get out of your mind is that we tend to dissociate from the bad memories and associate with the good memories. And what we need to do is reverse that. We need to reverse that in our mind visually. And what I mean by that is think about a great memory that you have with this person. Think about a great time that you had with this person. And when you think about that time, if you're looking through your own eyes now, I want you to dissociate from yourself. So closing your eyes, you visualize this happening, and I want you to be outside your body and you can see yourself over there having this good time with that person. And you distance yourself from you and that person and then try to access what it feels like then. Because now you're watching them have the experience and you're dissociated from the experience. Do this with a good memory, something that felt good. And see them over there feeling good and you experiencing it less over here. And if you have the good feelings, I want you to distance, distance yourself even further. Like you can take another few feet back or 100 feet back. You can see it from afar and see what's happening over there, way over there. And if that doesn't work, 
dissociate again. Step out of this body and go back even further and watch yourself watching yourself have that experience over there. It's kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> when you do this, it dissociates you from the feeling as well. And what this does, it's, it starts to diminish the good feelings that you had. I'm not telling you to forget them. I'm not telling you not to have these great memories of the relationship that you had or how you used to feel. It doesn't do that. It just helps you disconnect from certain memories and helps you distance yourself from the feelings that were so good that they're hard to forget. And this is what's causing part of the obsession is that you have these great feelings, but we need to disconnect from those great feelings. So how do we do that? That's one way to do it. So you dissociate from the good memories. Now you do the same with the bad memories, except an opposite. You're going to associate with the bad memories. And this is uncomfortable because if you've been dissociating, seeing yourself over there having the bad experience, then associating, it can be scary. Only do this if you're ready to stop obsessing. I'm serious. Because when you dissociate from the good memories and go into your body with the bad memories and experiencing it as if you're there right now, seeing through your own eyes, experiencing it firsthand, you're going to have a much more powerful negative memory associated with this person. So you are now in an associated state with this negative memory, experiencing it firsthand, having those bad feelings. It's awful. And then when you're done experiencing that memory, you come back to now and you remember the good times differently and you remember the bad times a lot differently because you're experiencing them firsthand. The key here is dissociating from the good times enough so you stop obsessing. I'm not saying this is a solution. I'm just saying this is one of the many tools that you can use to stop obsessing. And I don't remember if I talked about this specifically in one of the other episodes, but it can be very, very helpful so that you don't constantly replay the same tape and put the needle on the same groove of the record. How can we experience it a lot differently? We're going to have a different memory of it. And so dissociating from the good memories and associating with the bad memories helps you reverse the effect, helps you reverse the obsession. And when you do this enough, it can really start to change your experience. And don't be afraid to change the memories too. What I mean by that is you can have a good memory. Let's just say that you remember his face or remember a feeling that you had at a certain time. Maybe you went out and you had a great time. Maybe you can put like devil horns on his head. <laughs> you know, visualize something different. Recreate the memory in another image that is memorable so that when you remember it again, that's the first thing that pops up. And again, I'm not saying that you should change the good memories. You don't have to do this. But if you really want to stop obsessing, it's time to do something a little bit more drastic. I mean, if it's been months and months or years, it might be time to do something a bit more drastic. And changing the visual in your head doesn't change what happened. It just changes how your brain processes it so you can finally get past it and get through it and move on with your life. So don't be afraid to add visual elements that change things or even auditory elements where during the good times there's ominous music playing in the background and you're like, what the heck is this? And it's always like a foreboding feeling. It can start to reverse the thought processes in your head. So play with that. Do things like that to help you 
get beyond this. And I do have one more piece of advice, and that is this. If you have any connection to this person, if you still have their phone number, if you are connected on social media or you can see their social media account, if you have any paperwork or documentation that they own, if you have anything that they own in your house, you need to start eliminating that stuff. You need to start blocking them at every pass. You need to make sure that every avenue of connection is severed. Unless there are special circumstances, you own a business together, you have kids together, that might be different, but you need to do your best to disconnect completely. That might mean something drastic, like you move a thousand miles away. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying that when you remove all avenues of connection and there's no way that you can just wake up at 2 a.m. and look at their social media or anything like that, then you give your brain a break. So this is one of those things that I'll tell someone, but it's very hard for them to do because why? It involves doing it. It involves actually taking the steps to do it. And when they do it, it means, oh no, I'm losing connection with them. It's the only connection I have. Yes, if you really want to stop obsessing, you have to break all the connections. You have to pretend like they don't exist. You have to make them disappear from your life. Because what happens is, by leaving any path open, knowing that you could travel that path anytime, you know, you open Facebook and you can follow them. If that path is available to you, obsessive thinking causes you to take that path. It always does, and it always will. So you need to buck up, take the pain that comes with it, the experience that you're going to lose connection to this person forever, and do the things that you don't want to do, like completely disconnect so that you realize that you no longer have a choice when it comes to trying to connect to them again. Believe me, if they have a sudden change of heart and they want to reach out to you, they're going to find a way. But what you need to do is separate, disconnect, go no contact, and untether yourself in every possible way. If something in your house reminds you of them, remove it, get rid of it, hide it, do whatever you can. You need to stop with all the associations. If something reminds you of them, or helps you stay in touch with them in some way, or helps you think about them in some way, it's time to remove it or get rid of it or do something with it so that you never see it and you can move on. So I hope all of this landed in the way I wanted it to land. Again, if you are thinking of self-harm, contact a professional because life is amazing. You are amazing. You are worthy. You are significant. You are lovable. And no one person can ever say that you aren't. No one person can ever imply that you aren't. You are, as long as you love yourself. You have to love yourself. You have to be compassionate toward yourself. You have to show yourself that you are worthy and you are important. You have to treat yourself like your best friend. You have to remember that that little child inside of you might be scared, might have fears, and he or she needs you. He or she needs you to run the show and be the adult and show up in your life so that um, they know they're worthy. And when you're nurturing that inner child, he or she feels comfortable and safe and accepted by you. And once that's in place, then no one else can define who you are, what you are, whether you're important or not. They can't define that at all because you define that in yourself. And that's the most important thing that you can do for you. And then when you show up in the world like that, and especially in any relationship like that, 
where there are no dependencies, where someone else has to fill in the gaps, and you both just bring your best versions of yourself, that's the best type of relationship to have. Redefine the person of your dreams. Redefine the ideal partner. Because if you think it's somebody that caused you all that pain so long ago, that's not your perfect partner. That might be the only representation you have, but it's time to redefine that. Because only certain people are like that, and you don't need those certain people in your life. This is the butt-kicking episode, (laughs) so I'm kicking your butt. If you are having obsessive thoughts, it's time to do the things that you don't want to do. It's time to disconnect. It's time to move on. Yes, I know sometimes you try everything, but it's always a work in progress, and absolutely get rid of anything that reminds you of that person. I got rid of hundreds of pictures once. I took them all out of the box, and I went through every single picture, and every picture that made me feel good, I kept Every picture that made me feel bad, I mean, these are the old pictures, not the digital pictures that we have now. Every picture that made me feel bad, I got rid of. That was my only copy, the only copy that anyone ever had. I got rid of it. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to think about it. And when I went through the entire box, it was like 600 pictures, I felt better. All of the pictures that made me feel bad, in the trash. All the pictures that made me feel good, I still have that box and I can pull it out anytime and go through those pictures and never have a bad feeling. And that's how life should be. I mean, I'm not saying you deny and you hide your head and you should never deal with these emotions. Absolutely. If you have emotions going on, that's what I talk about in this show all the time. But if you've had pictures for years and years and years and you've dealt with the emotions and then you see a person or a thing that happened in your past on a picture and it makes you feel bad, why are you keeping it? Get rid of it. You don't need it. Give it to someone else. Never see it again or hide it in a vault in the backyard. (laughs) And then move on. I appreciate the person who wrote this email. Thank you so much. You are absolutely going to get through this. I know you are. You've already written this email, so wanting the change is already there, which is the first step to healing. You're going to make it. You're going to get through it. Anyone listening that has obsessive thoughts, that is thinking about somebody from their past or just can't get something out of their head, you're going to get through it, but you got to do the work. And you might have to make hard decisions. You might have to get rid of that thing. You might have to disconnect from them on social media. You might have to do a lot. And it's going to be hard because you're thinking, oh, this is it though. This is the last thing that we have together. This is our last connection. Good. Get rid of it. Gone. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great week. I want to thank Neurohacker. Go to neurohacker.com and make sure to use the promo code TOB if you want to try these supplements. I'm on them. I've been on them for about three months. I'm loving them and I can't say enough about them. Make sure to use the code TOB during checkout and get 15% off. You're already 50% off your first month. Thanks for listening. You are amazing. We'll talk again soon. 